Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. You're not going to do the fancy hands today? No, I'm just feeling a little more vibed out today. A little, little calmer than our Tuesday show. Okay. That's, you did promise you would be calmer on the Thursday show this week. I actually have Friday vibes. Like I'm having one of these weeks where I can't figure out what day it is. Thank goodness we have the CJ show to anchor me um, because I, it feels like a Friday, even though it clearly isn't. Well, you know, Thursdays, uh, this uh, friend of mine who works at TSN 690 considers them as Friday juniors. I'll take that. I'll take that energy, especially in May. Oh, yeah. None of us should be Absolutely. working too hard. No, none of us should be working that hard. Uh, Let's start talking about hockey here. Speaking of working hard, the Colorado Avalanche, they worked as hard as they did in game five. They had that lead. The St. Louis Blues decided they were going to work even harder. Then Nathan McKinnon scored arguably the goal of the playoffs, and it means nothing because the Blues ended up winning in overtime. What a game that was, Siege. That's playoff hockey. Just the swings of emotion. You know, that building really rocks down there in Denver and and the thing must have been shaking on its foundations for that McKinnon goal because that's pretty much an all-timer. Unfortunately, it doesn't take on the same meaning that if that was sort of a, ends up being a series clinching goal, you know, wins them the game and wins them the series. Uh, but to complete the hat trick in that manner uh, and then to lose the game, I mean, that's, that's what you're riding, right? You, you look back to the Battle of Alberta game four, you know, Mike Smith lets in the, the shot from the other blue line and, and looks like you know, all the, the energy soaked out and, and, you know, the Oilers find a way to kind of push back against that and win. I mean, momentum swings are part of what make the playoffs so great. And, and you know, look, I, I'm in like a lot of people, I'm expecting the Avalanche to move on from this series. You know, think that they're probably the best team in the league or certainly in the conversation with Tampa but that doesn't guarantee anything. And now the only thing we're guaranteed is a game six where it gets a little bit tighter, a little bit more difficult and they're going on the road trying to, trying to win it. Yeah. And the blues deserve a ton of credit for actually not being goons in game five, but actually deciding to play. Look, we've, we've picked them up at different points of the year. They they have the goal scoring. Uh, They have the prowess to do it. They really want to erase everything that happened last year in the sweep. And really who so, I think L.A. Freeman made the point during Hockey Night in Canada that he didn't really get to see the Colorado Avalanche this past year, but he has looked just fine coming on in relief of Jordan Bennington. Just fine. He still gives up four goals, though, right? Which is not a shot yes. at him, but, you know, like it's 
it's it's a it's a it's a series for scorers. It's a series for the offensive players to make an impact. I mean, we've seen that really across the board in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Uh, you know, Huso is an interesting character. He's a Group Six free agent at the end of this season, meaning he's you know a certain age in his career and hasn't played enough games. So he, he's actually gets a chance to to test free agency this summer. And I think there'll be quite a number of teams after him. He had a you know a great regular season, but you know the playoffs is a different animal for him. And and to win a game like that has to boost his confidence and. You know, really for Colorado, you're, you're just wondering, are they are they getting in a situation where it's it's been a couple of years now where they've been a top team in the league and they, they haven't been able to get over the hump? Uh, it's not a, it's not a Leafs like record, but but, you know, certainly, you know, haven't got close to, to playing for Stanley Cup with this group. And, and so, you know, they'll be feeling some of those pressures, some of those nerves, some of those questions from from the reporters and the fans in their market and. You know, St. Louis has been through some battles uh, with with you know the core of that team is largely intact from the team that won the Stanley Cup. You know, a lot of the a lot of the main players are still the main players, and and you know I think that that kind of creates an interesting feeling with it going to Game Six and potentially Game Seven is whether I don't know if we could call it choking it away, but if if they you know if if they fumble the ball here up three one in a series that that would be quite a thing because Colorado's facing their own, you know, interesting offseason. They're not going to be able to keep the band together. Nazem Kadri, for example, is an unrestricted free agent. I know they have some other decisions pending as well. And so there's a lot riding on on getting through this round and, and you know, trying to, to, to win another Stanley Cup. And I know this year, I, I can already imagine for Avalanche fans, I, I don't, I'm, we're not saying they're going to blow it. If they find a way to mangle this up, it will be worse than last year against the Vegas Golden Knights. They won the first two games and then, Vegas just kind of came through and won the next four. But the Avs were up 3-0 on the Blues and had a golden opportunity to close out that series. And even as the Blues came back, Nathan McKinnon, and I want to focus more on that goal at some point too, but Nathan McKinnon getting a hat trick. One of the best performances we've seen. One of the best single game performances we've seen in this year's postseason. And they still can't. Do if I'm an abs fan, I am frustrated beyond hell. Well, and how about Tyler Bozak scoring the overtime winner? Man, wow, been on the bench for like two straight hours or something. I mean, it's for for fans of a certain vintage, it's like uh, was it Peter Klima that scored an overtime Peter Klima. in the Cup final games 1990, and he hadn't had a shift in like multiple periods. It was a triple overtime winner, I believe. Um, you know, that that's part of the playoffs, too. I think it's not that Tyler Bozak's necessarily an unsung hero, he's been in the league a long time, was part of their, their cup win in St. Louis in 2019. But you know, someone who hasn't played a lot of you know, has to make a play, has to come up and, and find a moment. And you know, that's that's a cool one for him, especially if St. Louis finds a way to come back and win the series. I mean, that's I'd probably go down as the biggest goal he's ever scored. So, um, you know, I love the way that the context switches and, and, and moves around in, in the playoff series. And, and, you know, certainly that one that didn't look like maybe it was going to be that interesting is maybe interesting for the wrong reasons, right? We're talking about, you know, the stuff, the crap that Nazem Kadri was dealing with the, the big game that he had in game four, but now, you know, the, the focus is on two teams that, that, you know, might have a, a way of surprising us in a, in a positive way if you're St. Louis or in a negative way if you're Colorado here. Uh, that McKinnon goal end to end the speed the zone entry, the way he's controlling the puck, and it almost kind of looks like he's scoring it from between his legs. The finish, the jump into the glass, the celebration. Like, I'm sad it's not a game-winning goal. That should go down, and I hope it still does, as one of the greatest playoff goals we have ever seen. Like, 
I, I, I truly believe that. Poor Nick Letty's placed on a, you know, poster on that one. Um, not that it's his fault. I mean, when Nathan McKinnon is full speed, like that's like facing down a freight train. Like, what are you going to do? Do you remember the clip? I think it was Alex Petrangelo was mic'd up when they played the outdoor game and McKinnon was coming at full speed. He's just like, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> like, like what, what do you possibly do? We were talking about you could be one of the best defensemen in the league and, and there's only so much you can do to impede him legally. Uh, you're trying not to take a penalty in that situation too, right? It's a close game in the third period. And the way he just tucked it in pretty small, you know, spot at the top of the net. Um, that's as good as it gets. I mean, what a season we've had for highlights. I mean, if, if you just, even if you're not watching games, even if you're just waking up in the morning and watching YouTube clips, like it's been a season where, where you're seeing just amazing performances, amazing moments. McDavid had a few unbelievable goals. We've seen Kale McCarter in the regular season. Uh, you know, that I'm thinking of the, the goal in Chicago he scored. It was just ridiculous. Uh, we've had the, the Michigan pass. We've had some lacrosse goals. You had this McKinnon goal. I mean, this is, this is, the, the talent of the league is on full display and Nate McKinnon belongs in that. And, you know, if we're going to cast ahead, a, a McDavid McKinnon playoff series in the conference final would be, would be something now, you know, requires Edmonton to get the job done and Colorado to get the job done, but it's, it's sitting right there in front of us as a possibility. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be fun. It's if we get that, like, I know, I know a lot of us in the hockey world, we did everything we could to beg and plead for a battle of Alberta, but an Edmonton, Colorado series, like I want that so bad. I want to see two of the three best players, probably number one and maybe number three go at each other in a playoff series. Maybe it goes completely Colorado's way because they might be a little bit more stacked, but we can't sleep on the Edmonton Oilers if they, with the way that they've looked in this postseason, Evander Kane going off with the goals that he scored uh, and all the whoa, other whoa. players, Chronic David Leon. No one should know. be sleeping on the Oilers now, man. Like, nope. this is not total fluke. I mean, you're having a couple of the best players in the league and McDavid and Dreisaitl go to another level. Um, you've had other big performances. Mike Smith. I know he let in the long goal, but he's been he's been pretty solid for them, all, all things considered. And Edmonton played Colorado hard during the regular season. Like they they took it to them at times. And they're one of the few teams that had some success against the Avalanche. And so that doesn't guarantee us anything, of course. But I think we'd get a series. And the, the cool part of a McDavid McKinnon series is that neither of these guys have been in that moment. Like if they get there, they're both playing for their for their first chance to advance to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, that the stakes being that high, them being in the primes of their careers. I mean, both players can score a goal like the one we saw McKinnon score last night. Um, you know, both guys can can go end to end. They're, they're, you know, they're rush attackers, essentially. And, you know, I just think it would be, you know, it's as close as we can almost get to like a magic bird kind of kind of feel in hockey. And, and obviously hockey, it's not just two guys head to head. I mean, you could have that series and neither of them might score a goal. I mean, it's just the weird nature of, the way things can go in, in the playoffs and the NHL. But I just think that the, the stage there would be magnificent. And um, I'm with you. I, I, I don't cheer for a team in this, you know, we already know our Florida Panthers bet's been ripped up and gone to, to shreds. So we don't, right, we're not, man. we're not backing anyone formally on this podcast, but I just for the, the kind of theater of it, I would, I would love to see those guys head to head in, in a playoff series, carrying those kind of ramifications. You nailed it. The theater of it all. Like I'm, I root for the theater and for fun and for excitement. Like an Edmonton, Colorado series would objectively be more fun or at least more anticipated 
than a Calgary-St. Louis conference final. Great for those fan bases if their teams find a way to get there. We could still see a great series between two good teams if that happens, especially if they battle back from the deficits that they're in. But Edmonton, Colorado, with the marquee superstars on either team, it's way easier to sell than Calgary-St. Louis. Sure, and let's be clear here. We're not, we don't hate your favorite team. If you're in Calgary, you do not. St. Louis we right now, do not. you know, I, I really don't have anything riding on this at all. I'm, I'm just watching the games like everybody else at this point. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it would be, I think it'd be a cool moment for the NHL. Um, you know, the sport, it, it's, it's a hard sport to sell the stars, but I, I think we're trying to get there a little bit more. And, and that series, I think, does hype itself, sell itself. And all you need is one or two goals, like the one we saw last night or something big moments from those guys. And, and you've seen so many big moments already from Connor McDavid. Like it's not just that he's put up all those points. I, I think like the way he's putting them up matters the, to the context here. And it's, it's just been a human highlight reel. Like I hope someone out there has just clipped together all his points in the playoffs. I, I'd actually watch that right now because I, I can remember off the top of my head, a few of the, the goals and, and assists he's had have just been unreal. And to see them stacked one against each other, it's like every night he's, he's giving you something. It's, it's really been special to watch. Someone at the NHL surely has to be doing that. That that's 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 easy. They should be just doing that every time Connor McDavid does something. That's easy. That's an easy assignment. Producer Nick would do it. Yeah, SDPN memes. Get on that. Somebody <laughs> putting the call out. Yeah, good. Do it. Just just put it out there. Um, well, I would do it, but yeah. I don't know how to do it. If we're being honest, so my technical skills do not allow that. I'm sure it's not complicated, but I don't. That's beyond me at this point. I mean, look, sometimes on the internet, if you're able to just send out a GIF, sometimes that's, that's enough. That's, I got that down. I got that GIF game. At the very least. We, we did talk about Conor McDavid, and we did mention the Battle of Alberta. Uh, they are heavily mentioned. Uh, they will be heavily mentioned in our sports interaction segment uh, with David Bastel coming up. Uh, time to bring him on. As always, 19 plus if you play sports interaction Play responsibly, and there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. Uh, CJ, uh, for this one, uh, I feel as if because we're going, you know, bet heavy for the segment, maybe you should look a little cool. You already did. You you know what it was? I was looking uh, just to put together like the little script I read for that segment, and you put on the sunglasses while I wasn't even looking. That is just perfect. I need my my poker face for David. That's exactly what I'm thinking. All right, David Bastel time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's an article I want to get to uh, from your colleague at TSN, Steve Dryden, that is titled. He's not just my colleague, but he's my boss. 
Okay. Your colleague, your boss. I don't know exactly how the job structures work at TSA. Okay. So boss. I'm not going to disrespect Steve Dryden. Anyway, I've got a few articles. different bosses. I got Steve okay. Dangle at the Steve Dangle Podcast Network is my boss. I've got Steve Dryden at TSN as my boss and Mike Cormack at North Star Bets. Those are those are the guys I got to keep happy every day to, to keep the keep the, the train rolling down the tracks in a nice manner. It's like a three-headed monster. It was very close to having three Steves. Yeah, Steve, Steve, and Mike. Steve Dryden has an article. McDavid, undoubtedly the best player ever. I'm just going to read the lead real quick here. Connor McDavid may or may not end up being the greatest player ever, but it's time to recognize this. He is undoubtedly the best player ever. Is this a controversial statement? I'm sure it's controversial, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I like the distinction that he draws. And I'm not saying this just because Steve is my boss. I actually think he did a nice job with the story. I mean, you should know about Steve. He's, he's a hockey historian. He's been around a long time. He literally writes down the goal scorers from every single game in a book every day. He's been doing this for like 30 years. Like he wakes up and sort of writes out his own box score. So he's keeping track of which players are doing what. Like he's, he's as diligent as they come. And so this isn't like someone coming out of nowhere with a hot take at you. And what he's doing is drawing the distinction between greatest and best, right? I think greatest we could accept as over a longer period of time, you know, you might look at Wayne Gretzky's records. You might look at Mary Lemieux's top seasons and, and say the points per game he put up and, and make an argument for him as the greatest, or perhaps you want to go down another road. But best um, is the top in any given moment. And it's hard to argue that, first of all, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about some of these insane individual performances, goals, I mean, I, I think it's it's not a stretch to say this is the best quality of offensive play we've seen in the NHL ever. You know, part of that is human evolution. Part of that is the evolution of equipment and, and things that are able to go on. It's almost just like stretching your mind. Like no one ever tried to put the, the, the lacrosse goal in, you know, until 20 years ago. And now you see kids doing it, you know, in practice. And, and like it's, it, it, I, I think so, you know, you start framing it that way. You know, this generation is better than the last one just as a whole. Connor McDavid is without question the most skilled player in this generation, the best at doing things at a speed that we've never seen before. And so I think that there is an argument there. And, and I, liked, I, I, I liked the way Steve put it. I, I think that it, it, it's a worthy conversation. And, and he's also at his best, arguably, right now in this point in time that he's ever been. And obviously, he's established an insanely high bar. He had over 100 points in a 56-game season last year. I mean, this guy's doing things that we haven't seen since the 80s, and we're not, you know, having goal scoring quite being at the 80s league-wide. And so, um, you know, I think it's I think it's a fair point and a great debate, and I get that some might not buy it, but I, who has ever been individually better than Connor McDavid is right now? I, I just I, – I don't think you can really make a case for anybody. I think this is an easier question to answer if you're of a certain age where maybe the best players you've seen are like just seen and not having to go through archival footage of my era would be Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin. Cause I think just off the highlights, off the goals, off, off, even if he doesn't have the accolades yet, like Connor McDavid for me, objectively is the best player I've ever seen. I'm more intrigued whenever I hear older people who have seen Wayne Gretzky, who have seen Mario Lemieux, uh, up close or or some of the other legends from previous eras and how they might react. But you're right. Like they McDavid is doing things that those guys in those eras could not do. 
Well, I'm not going to dox Steve Dryden here and reveal his age, but I can say confidently that he watched Gretzky and Lemieux play as an, like he would, would have been an adult at that time. And, you know, he worked at the hockey news before his long run at TSN. And so he's been in the industry for a long, long time. And so again, he's, he's writing that having seen those guys probably in the early stages of his career, probably remembers some of the stars from before that era, you know, from when he was a kid. And so Again, this is a this is a thought out opinion, and it's also someone who's who's watched even the players closer than I have because he because he is senior to me, and and you know I, I remember Gretzky and Lemieux as kids, and then obviously my career has basically covered the same time that the Crosby and Ovechkin have been in the league. Now we're seeing the next generation, the McDavid's and McKinnon's and Matthews, Marner, Drysaddle, this group, and so yeah, I I I, I like the I like the debate, and and it all comes down to best versus greatest. I think we can't get caught up in and losing sight of that because, you know, to have the number of records Wayne Gretzky has, the, the career points and career goals, I mean, that that probably establishes him as the greatest because to do it over that period of time matters too. But based on what we've seen, I mean, if Connor McDavid has a healthy career and plays into his mid to late 30s, I mean, he's going he's gonna to put up some pretty crazy numbers in that time and he's going to claim some records of his own. The one thing I hate about this piece is that some people don't have the nuance to understand best versus greatest or understand just generally what Steve might be trying to say. And they got 280 characters on Twitter to get angry. That's about it. Yeah. I'm just going to immediately dismiss this and just say like, well, there's no way Connor McDavid could ever be better than Wayne Gretzky because you didn't win all these awards, didn't score all these goals. Like that's what's going to happen. Well, I mean, fair enough, but you know, if you read the article, I think that it's pretty well laid out. He makes his case. Doesn't mean you have to believe it, but I think you'll you'll understand if you read the article. It's not he he wasn't just going for a headline. It's something he's thought about, and and you know, look, it sparks some debate. I was asked about this on on radio this week. Obviously, it's something I've seen discussed elsewhere. I've seen people raging about it in my Twitter feed. So, you know, Steve's doing his job there too by by throwing something thoughtful out there and letting the letting the world rip it to shreds. But also, like. Steve's not the only one who's been bigging up Connor McDavid this week. I know we talked about if this is the best Connor McDavid we've ever seen. I know Dom Lachizan, uh has written about the fact that the run that he's on right now is the most dominant playoff performance, one of the most dominant playoff performances we have ever seen. The fact that we get to see Connor McDavid in this moment, in the playoffs, we've been, as hockey fans and hockey people, media, we've been waiting for this from him for so long. Not to say that he couldn't do it, we just wanted to see him in this position. Yeah. And honestly, we're probably missing what's an equally good storyline in my mind is Leon Dreisaitl, who's playing with a sprained ankle and is putting up three points per game somehow. Like he, he clearly is limited in his movement. If, if you watch his skating, it's, it's not nearly as powerful a stride as he typically has. And we're talking about a very powerful man. Um, and yet he's willing himself to a, a different level and, and coming up with big moments. I mean, it's, it's I guess, with all the teams, whether you, you want to look at the Oilers or the Leafs, like teams that are built on skill, it's kind of the, the fundamental bet with those teams because obviously in a cap world, I don't think anyone – there's no perfect team. There's no perfect roster. You, you, have, to, you have to spend a million dollars on certain players down the roster and not everyone's going to like the, who those players are or, or what have you. But stars can make a difference in the sport and, and can – pull you through. And that's, you know, that's what we're seeing from McDavid and, and Drysaddle. I think it's just those guys have, have found another gear and, you know, LA had them on the ropes, right. They had to go to game six in LA and win the game. Um, 
you know, at, in that building to to just force a game seven and then anything can happen in a game seven, but they, they found their way through that and it's kind of propelled them into a strong start to this, this flame series. And you start to dream a little bit. I mean, could Edmonton make the cup final? I mean, that would be a hell of a story. Uh, I didn't see many people predicting, projecting that. And, and look, they've got a long way to go. They're not out of round two just yet. Um, but you, when, with players this good that, that are already up in the stars, you can start to imagine that the Oilers being on a rocket ship behind them and, and you know, in the process of a special spring here. And you're right. The Flames are still very much in this series. They're just, they just have their backs against the wall. It's just Jacob Markstrom hasn't shown up the way that we all thought he would. That top line, guys like Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm, a lot of fans still wanting more from those guys. The Calgary Flames, I'm, I'm very surprised. Early on in the year, we talked about them being a contender, and I thought they played a brand of hockey that would have them as a contending team. Maybe not as the Stanley Cup final team, but certainly not a team that would find itself down 3-1 in a series against the Oilers, and even a team that had to kind of really claw their way through against the first round, against the first round opponent in the Dallas Stars. I'm I'm still very surprised at how the at how the the Flames look, and if they go out in five, like I. I'd be very, it'd be a very disappointing end to that season. It would, but let's, let's be real here. They are a contender. I mean, they're one of seven teams as we're recording this. It still has games to play. So 25 yes. teams are at home or on vacation or the golf course, or whatever your memes are going to be. Well, Calgary's still got a chance. And, you know, I think that they're, they are surprised. I would imagine to be in the spot that they're in. You know, we've seen them, you know, they clawed back in the last game and got the tie. It was on sort of a rather absurd way to tie the game, a goal that none of us can still figure out really how it went in. Um, but, you know, they, they, they hung around these games uh, for the most part. And I, I just, I've seen it enough. This is like, this is the, here's my old man moment. There's You get one a podcast at least, Julian. I just covered enough series to know that even when it's 3-1, it isn't over. And I know historically, obviously, teams, you'd rather be ahead 3-1, and the odds are quite decidedly in your favor of closing it out. But um, I don't I don't see a, a vast gap between these teams, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Calgary push back and, and find a way to get it to game six, and who knows, maybe even game seven. So let's let's not let's not put the flowers on their graves just yet. Let's not write the obituary on the flame season because I, I I think that well, they definitely have another level to get to. I could see them playing a tighter game as good as these guys have been, you know, there was one game this playoffs, Connor McDavid was held off the score sheet. It's, it's not as though it's impossible. Um, uh, even, even though he is on this, this next planetary level at the moment. And so, you know, they're, they're still, they're still there with a chance. It just, they're, they're out of, they've, they've kind of taken some, they, they could play a great game and lose, I guess is the point now. You I mean, they've, they put themselves in a precarious spot, but um, I'm, I'm, I'll put it this way. I'm not clearing my Saturday night just yet. I, I still think, mm. I still think we get a game six in the battle of Alberta. That's, that's, that's as far as I'll go for predictions. I'm not saying the flames are going to roar back and win the series, but you know, I, I don't, I don't see this ending on Thursday. I mean, they even brought back Chris Tanev, who I guess is the closest thing they have to a McDavid stopper. And they still found themselves with some difficulty in the last game. Also the old man moment, like, I'm cool with the old man moments every episode. We might just have to get to a point where people just have to start taking a shot every time you bring up one. Let me tell you about this guy named Peter Klima. In the <laughs> 1990 Stanley Cup final, Peter was nailed to the bench. Yeah. There's always one. Like, 
like how Adam has his history corner on the SDP. You should do like a CJ old man. Let me like like Abe Simpson talking to kids in that one scene in The Simpsons. Do you know what? It's funny. This is a true story. But this summer I've got a project in mind and I'm going to actually record um, some sort of like story times with CJs about players in, in hockey. And, and really it's something I want to do. I have a, a young hockey loving nephew and, and the idea is like to give you know, him like a 20 minute pod or whatever recording to listen to about, you know, why Crosby wears 87 or, you know, I haven't, I haven't really flushed out the ideas, but I'm actually going to do a hockey stories with CJ this summer. So. I like that idea. You should do like a full fledged audio book or something. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know what form it's going to take just yet, but that that's, that's in the works. And really it's just about like trying to produce content that, you know, my nephew could listen to because he might be a little young for our show and some of the words uh, uncle CJ says. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how you're ne- how how he's also going to take any of the hand gestures and the funny stuff that you do or sunglasses, DJ. Well, he that's knows a, that's a really he's, he's used to some degree of goofiness. At least, uh, one thing we haven't really talked about a lot on this podcast is the uh, IIHF World Championship going on in Finland right now. Uh, a lot of people have been taking notice of how William Bielander has been playing uh, for Team Sweden. Uh, what have your what have your impressions been of William Nylander at uh, these World Championships? He's a different guy when he puts on the yellow jersey, and that's not a shot at him, frankly, for his performance in the NHL. I know he can be sort of a popular lightning rod type of player. If if you look objectively at the Leafs' last two playoff series, you know he's you know point of game guy against the Canadians last year and Tampa this year. It's it's not as though he doesn't show up in big moments for the Leafs. That's not the implication here, but. If you look at his record, you know, there's actually there's a game going on right now as we're recording this Canada and Sweden in the quarterfinals. But entering this game, William Nylander had 36 points in 20 world championship games um, for Sweden. So 1.8 points per game. He's actually scored in the first period of this game a really nice goal. And so, you know, no reason to think necessarily he won't be uh, extending that that points mark. And and just the fact that he's there, you know, Sweden, like a lot of countries, had trouble getting players to, to come play at the tournament. Even a guy like Lucas Raymond was a surprise, right? Detroit didn't make the playoffs, and he was one of the players that, that said no to his invitation. And yet, you know, Nylander always shows up for his country. And, you know, I, I was speaking with, you know, someone I respect in Swedish hockey circles, and he was saying he thinks it might be almost a, an alpha dog type of thing, that he thinks, you know, when Nylander goes to these tournaments, he's, he's usually the best or most skilled player on a team. Uh, you know, first line player called upon to do this and that he he takes that seriously and that, that you know, might propel him to a different level. And so, yeah, you don't want to go up against world championship William Nylander because that's it's it's almost like a, a little bit of a different guy. Um, you know, even I don't know if you saw the clips of their game against Latvia, like he was almost borderline running guys like he was all over the ice finishing checks. I mean, just a different level of engagement or physicality you've seen in. You know, might might drive you a little bit nuts, I guess, if you if you watch him closely with the Leafs, because you know at his best you see elements of that, but but it's it's not always there. Um, but you know, yeah, I guess the, the the flip side is you hope that he's unlocking something here and can bring it back to the NHL. But he's he's having a special tournament. Looks to me like the best player potentially in that tournament right now. And you know, he only played a couple games because he came over late. But even that says something. I mean, David Pasternak went and played. For the Czech team after Boston was eliminated, so there's a few other top guys that have gone. Um, but you know, I, I I might have told you I got a real soft spot for the World Hockey Championship. I covered seven of those earlier in my career. Some of my fondest memories, honestly, as a reporter, were made there. It's 
a whole lot of fun on the ground. I get that it doesn't get a ton of attention here in North America. It's going head to head with the Stanley Cup playoffs. But, um, you know, credit to Nylander for going and playing because I think you should want to play games in May if you're a hockey player. There, there's something about playing for your country at any level that just kind of brings out the best in you. And I think that really just goes for, for anyone. Like there was a goal. I saw Yoel Armia for the Montreal Canadiens score uh, earlier this week. And even if the defenseman he was going one-on-one against might not be NHL caliber. I, I, I don't normally see that from Yoel Armia with the Montreal Canadiens. A lot of Canadiens fans might be like, Hey, where, where was this guy? So yeah, there is something to it. Just well, these the are pro players, right? Like I think yeah, they're great players. I think fans like just because you don't necessarily know someone's name or their background, like these are all guys who play in pro leagues in Europe. Like they make a living being professional hockey players. Like these aren't. This isn't like a beer league, and it's a real competition, and it really matters to a lot of the countries that are there. Like it's important for players. You know, someone like William Nylander or you know another player. Oliver Ekman Larson say that's playing for, for Sweden. Like these guys don't get a lot of recognition at home for what they do in the NHL, right? Like the games are played at three in the morning. Um, this is, this is a chance where what you're doing, your, you know, your next door neighbor knows what you're up to. And, and like, it's, it's a whole nother level for a lot of them. And, and I think they grew up watching those. I mean, these are the most watched hockey games in Europe every year. Um, and so, you know, did I ever tell you about, because you, you hate it, I know, when I repeat stories on the pod. I don't hate it. I just notice. I don't hate anything, CJ. You, 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 every time you bring up stuff like that, you may feel like, man, you hate that stuff. I don't hate that stuff, man. I feel like it sticks in your craw. But it, and I don't blame you. Like, I tell, I talk a lot. Like, I can't remember where I said everything. Like, Dude, I talk a lot. I, I wonder if there's there'd be talking a lot sticks in your craw or whatever that <laughs> phrase means. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But did I ever tell you the 2007 World Hockey Championship, them bringing, bringing me in the dressing room after Canada won? I don't think so. Yeah, so it was cool. At the time I was covering that tournament, it was in Moscow for the Canadian press. And I believe it was just myself and Ryan Rashog was there for TSN as a sideline reporter. I believe we were the only journalists. Oh, and Dan Barnes, who was a reporter for Post Media at the time. Uh, we were the three Canadian journalists there. And so, you know, they have a big mix zone at these events. But to do us a favor, which was really kind of them, instead of bringing the players to the mix zone because they wanted to celebrate winning, they just brought us in the, the three of us in the dressing room. And but what was really neat is so Rick Nash had just a ridiculous tournament for Canada that year. Yes. Even now, my, he, he's a good buddy of mine now, but Colby Armstrong was on the team. He actually scored the gold medal winning goal for Canada in that game. But, you know, Colby and I weren't friends at the time. Um, but we've, we've talked about it since just that, that time in Russia, it was a month in Russia basically. And, but, uh, Andy Murray was the coach and literally I had like, I was almost in tears in the dressing room. Like it's funny. Cause even when they cover this sort of event, like you're not really cheering for Canada. Like, obviously I was covering them. I'm Canadian, but you know, I covered other tournaments where they don't win. And it didn't affect my experience. If you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just there really to, to talk about what happens. It's, you know, you have no impact on the outcome. But so they win. They actually had a perfect record, either 9-0 or 10-0 in that tournament. And young John and Taves is on that team. Jordan Stahl, Mike Camilleri, Justin Williams. Just trying to remember the guys off the top of my head. Dwayne Rolson and Cam Ward were the goaltenders. Dion Phaneuf was on that team. team. Shea Weber was on that team. Young Shea Weber, I believe. Um, Shane Doan was the captain. Rick Nash was the by far their best player in the, in the event. Anyway, and so Andy Murray gets in there and he goes – and I'm like, we're in the dressing room. Like they, these guys just won a gold medal at a world championship. And he's like, and, and Rick Nash scored a goal with a finished guy on his back at the end of the game. And he's like, I remember that Rick, goal. He's like, when Rick Nash is going in, you had 31 million Canadians on your back. And he's like, 
Canada, we have in Canada, we have the deepest well of emotion for hockey. And like, I just remember Andy like giving this speech and like, I was like, literally like almost crying. Like it just like, it was like such a surreal moment that I was there. And then the players spray the champagne around and I probably was wearing like a hundred dollar suit that got doused and ruined, but it was, it was awesome at the time. I just such a cool memory. I don't even know why I'm sharing that story other than I really appreciate that they would bring me in and let me kind of experience that. Cause it, you know, it was pretty cool. And, and when you're, you spend a month abroad, you, you do feel, you, you can't help but think of like where you came from and what shaped your life. And, and that was one of those times I had to pinch myself and I still can't believe that they let me in. That was captivating hearing that story. And I am in, insanely je- jealous of your nephew because he's going to get a whole bunch of this. <laughs> oh, I got a good 2014 Olympics one too, but I'll, I'll share that another time. We, this, this can't just be story hour with CJ. I mean, I feel like we could benefit from having more of these stories. I mean, not, not like a whole bunch of one episode, but like one good one. Fair. Well, the world championships make sense. Cause a lot of the things happen over there and people aren't watching. I get it. Hockey fans even, but like it's, if you ever get a chance to go, it should be bucket list. I'm telling you, like, just, I mean, I would just tell you to go travel in these European countries anyway. And, but to go there when the, the hockey's on that, the fans go crazy, they're singing songs, they're in the streets uh, enjoying themselves at, at the local establishments around the arena. Like it's just, it's a really cool environment. And as I say, like I, if, if your team's beat out and you're healthy, I just, I almost, and you know, especially a lot of hockey players are young now, like they, they don't yet have families. Like if you're, if you're, if you're not, you know, having to be there for your kids and your body's there, like, I don't know why you wouldn't go play. Cause it's, it's, it's a pretty cool life experience just to be over at these tournaments. Last thought before we get to stick taps here, uh, more off ice stuff, just some coaching stuff that is kind of some news that's kind of gone around the last few days. John Tortorella interviewing for that Flyers job. He, he what, tried to be very like, what's the like, voice? Are you surprised? I, I don't know if I'm surprised. I'm just, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I'm not really sure. John Tortorella is a pretty accomplished coach. Like he's a great coach. I'm not. I'm not dissing that. I'm just. I'm just trying to think about John Tortorella as the Flyers' head coach. And I mean, you know what? He's a guy who can get a lot of effort out of his players. Maybe they 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 turn themselves into a more competitive team with him. I'm just picturing the fit. Well, I think there's two John Tortorellas. Like it's got to be said. It, the public or reporters sort of see one view because you know he's had many sort of famous clashes with the media and, or really abrupt press conferences and things like that. But if you talk to the players that play for him, like he's really well-respected. Like, I think he's, I think he's an excellent coach. And and I look at, at his most recent tenure, like the time in Columbus, he consistently helped that team. That team was more than the sum of its parts. If you know what I'm saying, like they, they, they had some modest playoff success. They won some rounds, you know, they swept the Tampa Bay lightning. They're the last team to beat the Tampa Bay lightning in a playoff series was a John Tortorella coach Columbus Blue Jackets team in 2019. And so, you know, I, he's spent a year on ESPN. Uh, I think he he can bring some value there, but I, I, I'm not surprised that there's interest in him. And I just don't really know what Philadelphia is as a team. Like this is not, this is, if we step back and this isn't just a coaching question about who they hire behind their bench, I just don't know where they're at as an organization you know, they made some moves last summer that really didn't pay off. I know Chuck Fletcher was pretty hard on himself and called his own number on that. And, and I just don't know where it leaves them. They, they, they're not certainly a young team. Um, but if there's someone that can get more out of the group than what they are, I actually 
I, I can't really think of anyone better than John Torrella for that. So, you know, I, I don't know that he's getting that job. You know, they'd be wise to talk to Barry Trotz too in Philadelphia, I would suggest to you, although there's competition there, right? I mean, Barry Trotz has already had an interview in Winnipeg. You know, there's, there's other openings. There's Detroit's Vegas. out there. Vegas is out there. But, you know, I, I think if, I think Philadelphia, it does make sense to bring in a veteran like one of those guys to try to squeeze what you can out. Because at some point, I would think they're going to go through another kind of little rebuild or something. They, you know, the mix there seems a little bit off just from a, from a team standpoint. Okay. And the other coaching note I wanted to get to is the fact that uh, Darren Dreger mentioned that even though we haven't heard anything formally about an extension yet with Martin St. Louis and the Canadians, the expectation is that Martin St. Louis will eventually become head coach. It's just, we're still kind of waiting on when that announcement will come. Do you have any insight on that or? Yeah, I think they wanted to get it done before the draft combine. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if the ink is dried on the contract, but it certainly sounds like that that's the way it's going. And look, we expected this. This isn't a surprise. I mean, really right from the end of the, the Canadian season, um, you know, I would have told you I, I would expect Martin St. Louis back. And, uh, you know, he he definitely earned it with what the team showed after he took over from Dominic Ducharme. And, and you know, let's remember, we've talked about on this pod, I mean, that they're they're choosing from a smaller pool of candidates by, by you know, seeking head coaches that are bilingual. And I think it's it's wise to maybe try some new blood in the, in the role. And, and, you know, I love what St. Louis did with Cole Caulfield. And I love a lot of what he said publicly, sort of just his views on the game are interesting. And I'm excited to see what a full season under him looks like in Montreal. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to get that. And I would think that that announcement will be finalized any minute now, if not any day. I wonder if, you know, we'll go through this podcast and then as the episode drops, the news will have already been out there. That's okay. It's no. I mean, it's look at it, it's done. It's all done. It's all done, but the announcement. So I, I don't know when the announcement's coming, but it's done. He's staying. All right. So with that, it's time for stick taps. We do this every Thursday. We show some love uh, to people across the either hockey community or whoever you want to show love to. Siege, do you want to start or should I start? You go first today. Okay. I think this last week has been very, uh, very difficult for a lot of uh, a lot of Americans because of the uh, recent shootings in, in Buffalo, uh, the Texas elementary school shooting. Uh, my heart goes out to, to those people kind of grieving as a result of that right now. A lot of anger, a lot of outrage as a result. Uh, and maybe it's possible you listen to this podcast and you're using this podcast as a refuge to get away from some of that. So I'd like to uh, just kind of give a shout out to those people. And I'd also like to shout out the people in Denver who sh- who showed out in support of Nazem Kadri with the standing with Nas signs in light of, in light of all of the uh, racial abuse he received online after uh, the events of game three. So yeah, hope, uh, mine's more of a meaningful stick tap this week with recent events going on across the world in and outside of hockey. Yeah. I'll shout out Nazem Kadri too. I think that that's, that's a good place to leave it. And, you know, really thoughtful column on sportsite.ca by Sonny Sakdivia about how, you know, he, he made a point that probably I should have been making on Tuesday when we did our pod, just that, him, you know, Nazem Kadri having to quote unquote overcome something like this just shouldn't be part of his story. He shouldn't have to overcome um, the the kind of attacks that that he received and that you know he said I saw in his interview with TNT Kadri that just unfortunately is commonplace. It's something that he's found a way to 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 sort of put aside consistently over his career. So 
you know, I, I've, I've been open about my enjoyment of Kadri over the years, both as a player and a person. And uh, we just wish him continued success and, and have him know that uh, a lot of us in the hockey world are in his corner. Yeah. Sonny put up some really great thoughts on that on Twitter and in article form on Nazem Kadri. And I think it's a relatively new thought when we really think about it, because we mentioned all the time with BIPOC and racialized athletes that they are so brave for overcoming whatever social media or just hurtful abuse they get. They shouldn't have to go through that. That's something we should be putting out there more and more when these things happen. I think that's well said. And with that, that brings an end to the CJ show for this Thursday. Siege, uh, a lot of hockey games still to get through. Still got to finish the second round. But we'll be back on Monday. Brand spanking new episode. You know, we, we weren't on the Monday this week. We'll be back on the Monday next week. Uh, looking forward to it, obviously. And if you haven't started already, get your questions in for Ask CJ, either on Twitter or on the Discord. Or you could mail them to us. Oh, you should get like a P.O. box or something. <laughs> old school. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not get mail? When's the last time you got mail, Siege? As I put mail on my that sunglasses. wasn't a bill or something? Time. I haven't got personal mail in a long, long time. An Amazon package, yes. A hydro bill, yes. But not, not a lot of personal mail. Okay. Well, I got a, one of my friends in like, was in France for a couple of months and he sent me some mail. That was really fun to get actually it's cool to get mail every now and again but anyway i'm gonna send you i'm gonna send you a postcard or two from cj summer of uh adventuring that's coming up oh that's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to that for cj i'm julian saying so long the chris johnston show powered by sports interaction canada's sports book inside the game twice a week follow chris on twitter at reporter chris and follow julian mckenzie at jk mckenzie the chris johnston show